0: Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter, Gregor McGregor.
1: Before we start this week's podcast, a big thank you to ELM Legal Services, who are based in Bristol and provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. You can get a standard single will for £99. If you'd like to get in touch, call them 0800 019 4557. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor. Lots on the podcast this week, but first of all, we want to really say it sort of all seems to pale in insignificance due to what happened on Saturday evening at the King Power Stadium at Leicester City. Our thoughts very much with Leicester City Football Club and with the families of those that died in that awful tragedy. Gregor, it's just something you would never expect, would you? You know, you go to a game on a Saturday, and for that to happen at the end of it, I think we're all deeply shocked, aren't we?
2: Yeah, absolutely, well said, sincere condolences to the Foxes and yeah, horrible moving images that we all saw and um, hopefully the club will rally around the ownership there and it's it's kind of good to see across football as well, the solidarity of the football family and everybody closing ranks, coming together and um, sharing the grief really and horrible to see, horrible to um, learn about and um, yeah, best wishes to everybody at the club there.
1: Yeah, and and lovely to see that Ashton Gate was lit up in blue this week as well, paying tribute to Leicester City. And as Gregor said, all our thoughts really with Leicester City at the moment. Football just suddenly doesn't seem important at times like these. Um, but as the football family, all our thoughts with Leicester City right now. Uh, so Greg, on the podcast this week, um, we're going to be talking about the result against Stoke. Uh, Jack Butland, he's from round here and he caused Bristol City a number of problems. We'll be hearing from Lee Johnson on why uh, he chose not to use Vyman. We'll also be hearing from Jada Silva, how he's getting on with England and his development this season. And Gregor's managed to grab a chat with David Moyes. And he talks about maybe one day becoming Bristol City manager. We'll have more on that a little bit later. So, Gregor, let's rewind to Saturday afternoon. The performance against Stoke, by all accounts, it was a very good performance. Just one of those days where the ball would not go in.
2: Yep, it was. Plenty of chances. Great second-half performance. Just took a little bit of time to get going. I thought the first half was fairly even. Maybe the Potters just edged it. And if you look at the XG stats... Well, you love the XG I stats. I do, I do. And they clearly show that Bristol City should have got a lot more from the game. They'd double the shots easily. I think it was 16 shots to something like five in the end. So mm. they almost trebled the shots. A lot more of the ball. Yeah, eight shots on target. That's a decent amount. And yeah, they had the chances. Unfortunately, they kind of just fell to maybe the wrong players. And they just <laughs> the finishing just wasn't good enough.
1: No, and compared to Hull, where maybe Hull deserved to get something out of that game, and Bristol City came away with uh, three points on Wednesday night, it was sort of the reverse, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, I, I just think Bristol City are still consistently inconsistent. It's not. Yeah, they that you've, you've hit the nail on the head. Yeah, not wildly. Um, different from what we expected, if we're honest, they're sort of mid-table. They look mm-hmm. like a mid-table mm-hmm. side at the moment. There are good signs in there. There are negatives as well. It was just a really frustrating game on Saturday, and you got to hand it to Jack Butland. Jack Butland, he was superb. He was superb, yeah. Um, but the Robins did hit the woodwork twice. Fam hit the crossbar twice. There was. Marlon Pack's effort cleared off the line. Mm. Nicholas Eliasson had two great opportunities. He's really... You back backing really... to score
1: at the moment as well, wouldn't exactly. you? Exactly, and it's just...
2: That's football, isn't it? A week ago, he, he comes up with a winning goal at Brentford, running in at the back post. Great volley, but this week, the ball falls to him at the back post and he can't stick it away. And, uh, yeah, in, that's what happens. The players need to find that consistency. And I think over the long term, they will do. It would just take some time.
1: Bristol City last year were sort of full of goals before Christmas. Not really so this season.
2: No, yes, good point. I mean, I've been looking at the, the defensive side of their game and I think they've well, they've actually conceded exactly the same amount of goals as they did they'd done at this time last year. Mm. 15 goals conceded currently, 15 uh, last year. I
1: think yep. That's
2: right. Yep. And yeah, they haven't scored quite as many and that's the difference. They've got I think four points fewer than they had the, this time last year. That was after 15 rounds of games. Um, but in some respects, I actually think they're in a decent position.
1: With only three points of the playoffs.
2: Yeah, sort of a similar kind of position to last year, in that maybe they were obviously flogging the guys the, the main core of guys a lot mm. and this there's year, a lot
1: more rotation this year yeah
2: there's more rotation and it's something that's cropped up in a, some of the press conferences that Lee Johnson has mentioned the dreaded word burnout mm. and um, he has he is saving some of the players now and again rotating a bit more and resting them a bit more
1: yeah well uh, speaking of rotation Gregor asked Lee Johnson why Andres Feynman did not start on Saturday
2: um, just on Andy Wyman, was he rested today or do you feel that he just needed to come out?
3: Um, no, I just felt that I wanted the flexibility. I put Pato sort of in that number 10 spot because I wanted the flexibility of having the extra pass, if you know what I mean. And uh, Pato can do a bit of both. You can spin him behind. You can get it on the half turn and wriggle. Um, I wanted, obviously, FAM scored in the previous game. Do you know what I mean? I wanted a little bit of energy, which I tried to go for with Elias and, uh, and Odalda. Obviously, Lloydie was rested, if you like, for this one because Ince is a good player and we needed energy but also height. You know what I mean? By the end of it, we were land of the hobbits, weren't we? And, uh, you know I mean? That, these are the, the dilemmas you have in your head as a match. You know I mean? You don't want to be 2 nil down where you've bossed it and then two, Crouch starts, for example. And, you know what I mean? J- picking JD Silver's picking him up. You know what I mean? That, that's how we ended up. <laughs> But with 1-0 down at that point, you may as well go for it. So you try and find that balance and that equilibrium, having your markers, having your footballers, having your um, energy, which, which we tried to do. And uh, I just thought first half, we just didn't play forward early enough. And uh, it's not long, it's just playing forward, uh, short sharper, bright little passes to create the overload. And it uh, played into their hands a little bit. And uh, didn't look as concentrated on the break as we normally do. But I'm sitting here it sounds like a moaning, I thought we was fantastic. If I was a headline, I'd rather it be. I thought we was fantastic, because uh, second half you know I mean, that is our personality that we're trying to create. And um, little players, do you, want, oh, do you want the ball? Can you handle the ball? And can you win it back? And uh, we've done that in abundance against probably the most fancied side. In the division.
1: Okay, so Stoke, the most fancied team at the start of the season for a promotion, but they've had tough times. There was some talk, we'll come back to Andrew Farm in, in just a minute, but there was some talk that if Gary Rowett didn't win, he was going to get sacked. Did you buy into that?
2: Yeah, I did actually a little bit because I think with the results they've had, and I, this is kind of comes from speaking to my counterparts who work work up at the, the Stoke Sentinel, I spoke to some of those guys about mm. the feeling up, at, up in the potteries and yeah, the Britannia Stadium. Yeah, basically, the, with the results they had, they really needed a result this weekend. And I do kind of think that if Bristol City had won, taken those chances, then Rowett would have been under huge pressure. Mm. There would have been a lot of focus on him. And who knows what would have happened then. But it didn't happen. And uh, actually, they the signs are good for them. I believe they've only conceded once in their last four or five games on the road now. Um, so they're picking yeah, up Yeah picking they? up Clean sheets Something Jack Butland Spoke about afterwards And uh, we'll come on to But yeah they, They've turned things Around a little bit
1: What did you make then About what you said About Andreas Wyman Just then
2: Yeah interesting I I was one of those Calling for Wyman To have a bit of a rest To be dropped And so yeah I, I can't complain However It's so easy in hindsight To say We needed a finisher We needed someone To, to score that vital goal On Saturday And yeah, it just didn't work for Fam. I, th- I thought there was a really key duel in the match between Jeju and Bruno Martins-Indy. And uh, yeah, Martins-Indy has got great experience at Champions League level with Porto. He's done it in the Premier League and he really marshaled Jeju well. And I didn't feel that Fam was ever going to get the space to, to get that finish. So he was kind of kind of working the room for himself, not often around the six-yard box, but slightly further out, which is when he hit the crossbar twice, really. Um, And it was going to take some miraculous bobble of the ball for it to end up in his path. So, yeah, that was a key battle. Didn't go City's way. And yes, as a result, maybe they needed Weimann on there. Patterson wasn't his greatest game out either, unfortunately. And, uh, yeah, but easy to say in hindsight.
1: Easy to say in hindsight, and there was this man in the way, Jack Butland, and we managed to catch him in the mix zone after the game, which is where the players walk out when they're going towards the bus, and he stopped for a chat. And just listen to this. We know that Jack Butland is from round here and he explains that, but listen to what he says about Bristol City and his youth.
3: Yeah, born in Southmead, but, um, yeah, never lived in Bristol or such, but, um, yeah. Eastern Gaudano for a few years, and then um, spent the rest of my rest of my time when I was, when I was down here at Cle- in Clevedon and little village outside cycle so that's where Mum grew up and yeah. uh, so they do come up to, to to Stoke
4: a fair bit. But did, did you never so. get to uh, to go to either of the Bristol clubs? Chair? No,
3: was the opportunity happened? was well never seemed to nobody be there. Wanted, or, nobody asked or, you. No, no. So we had we had a, we had a few players to be fair in our little Cleveland United that were that were alright that didn't perhaps get a chance. So um you no know, completely bypassed it and I ended up playing for a Development Centre against a local team in Birmingham, um, at Birmingham's training ground and, and that was that. They they offered me a chance to and what age come for a sure. That was actually. fourteen, so I went, you know, Sunday, I was playing Sunday League from seven years old yeah. as a striker until I was twelve. So um, yeah, it was never it was never a part of the setup so
1: Fascinating hearing Jack Butland chat there. That was in the mix zone. He was chatting to various journalists. Gregor was hovering as well. Gregor, players, of course, go onto the radar. Players get missed. But Jack Butland, an England international, he's from Bristol. How did City and Rovers both miss him?
2: Yeah, just going to give a shout-out to Richard Latham there, who's asking a couple of questions. Long time, uh, Bristol... Uh, City reporter obviously used to do my job I think at the Bristol Post for a long time and yeah Jack Butland incredible isn't it how a player like that slips through the net and I'm sure that there will have been words about that behind the scenes and um, yeah basically the club will be Working really hard to make sure that it doesn't happen again because he's a top top talent oh, and yeah. uh, superb on Saturday. Is
1: he? This feels disrespectful, and I absolutely love the championship. But should he be playing in the championship or should he be playing in the Premier League? Will uh, he get? Will he go in January?
2: He should be playing in the Premier League without a shadow of doubt. He he for me is the probably the second best English goalkeeper. I I really like Jordan Pickford, and I think Pickford's distribution is way, way superior to Butland's from what I've seen. And mm. certainly on on Saturday when Butland was slicing it into, into the um, Lansdowne stand a couple of times. But but Butland's shot-stopping is just phenomenal at times and really interesting to hear from him after the game. He was saying that he didn't rate that performance on Saturday as one of his best matches. Wow. Yeah, just, I think he made five or six saves on Saturday, but he said in his first year at Stoke and... I think this is what I remember from him as well. He was making some games of up to 10 or 11, sa- 10 or 11 saves, which is just phenomenal. For that God is
1: amazing. People. Yeah, that is amazing. Be interesting to see where his future lies and uh, if he can get back into, into the England squad or if he can be in the England squad while he is in the Championship. And if he stays at Stoke in January, we shall see... Now, Jay De Silva and Lloyd Kelly. This is really interesting, something that happened on Saturday because apparently Lee Johnson was having words with Lloyd Kelly from the sideline. He wasn't happy with him. He went off at halftime. Jay De Silva came on. How did it look from your perspective, Gregor?
2: Well, it's something we obviously asked Lee about and, uh, yeah, he, the head coach was typically candid after the match and said that it wasn't a slur. The exact words were it wasn't a slur on... either um, Lloyd or Callum's performances and I actually thought Callum O'Dada was a little bit unlucky to be substituted because I thought he played pretty well in the first half, actually. But yeah, Lloyd Kelly didn't have a very good first half at all. He was really ponderous on the ball, really slow to get going. And Lee Johnson explained that substitution basically as the left flank of his team not working at all. And what he specifically meant there was that every time they got the ball, those two players were playing it too safe. Um, Playing, yeah, taking the safe option too Mm. often, and they're passing it backwards too often. And he wanted to see more forward passes, uh, more penetration. And he um, used the. He he spoke about the right-hand side of the pitch uh, with Hunt, sort of curling the ball around the full back and dropping balls over the Stoke defence, getting the Bristol, getting the opposition defence turning, especially Ashley Williams. Because uh, they, thought...
1: they, they didn't do that in the first half, that's what you yeah, were saying. exactly, they didn't do they that enough. exposing Ashley Williams at no, all. No,
2: exactly, they didn't do that enough and that's why he made the changes at half-time. And you have to hand it to the head coach, actually. They really worked because second half, for the for the most part, Bristol City laid siege to the, the Potters goal.
1: Is Jade De Silva pushing Lloyd Kelly for his place now?
2: Definitely. As a, a lot of people said De Silva um, came in and, and played really well. Yet again, he, he had a very good... Impact um, at Brentford. In fact, I thought at Brentford, I actually thought Bristol City looked better when Lloyd Kelly went to centre back, Nathan Baker went off the pitch, and De Silva came on at left full-back. He, he gave the side a lot more pace down that flank, a lot more thrust, and he got. He loves the one-two,
1: doesn't he, Jake yeah,
2: Silva? He, he got forward a lot, and his crossing—I have to say—I've been really impressed by that. Obviously, he set up the goal for a Larson last week. And yeah, I, I wasn't aware how good his crossing is, and that's something I've noticed recently. And yeah, I think there's a big argument for yeah keeping him in at least.
1: Would you put Lloyd Kelly to centre back, or would you drop Lloyd Kelly?
2: Yeah, that's a tough year With Lloyd, and I do think this is a, a case with young players is that they're of, they're often very inconsistent. Um, and Lloyd has put in some brilliant performances. And some way, just a little bit off off the pace, mm. uh, such as what happened on Saturday. And that is completely normal. That's not um, something just against Lloyd. I've seen it with many young players. And Alex Ferguson, Alex Ferguson used to take young players out of his team all the time. So it's mm. something he recognised. It's a, it's a case of getting these guys to learn, to get to to bring that consistency to their game, to be, be really focused and concentrated on every match and you kind of see that with Mourinho sort of like lambasting Luke Shaw Mm -hmm. and in a way we've got Lee Johnson trying to to up the standards of Lloyd Kelly here and I I don't see anything wrong with that actually I think uh, these young players need to be told what's what occasionally and um, yeah I I think that's the way to make them progress
1: Mm, Okay let's uh, hear from Jadis Silva now actually on how he's been faring with England of course he's been in the under 21 setup, and he's been flourishing there so let's get his thoughts on that
2: away with England under 21s um, which is great for you do you feel maybe that that has helped your club form as, as well because it's been a good couple of weeks for you here as well obviously you've been in the team that had a really great effect as well
0: yeah um, giving me that probably giving me a bit more confidence um, when you play well confidence confidence, um, confidence gains. so yeah uh, I think just just looking to, to build on that as much as I can and um,
2: we sort of touched on this before. There's a lot of Chelsea players on loan in the Championship. Do you keep in touch with any of the other guys at all?
0: Yeah, yeah, I do keep in touch um, with a few of the boys. Um, obviously, going back um, to international duty, a few of them are there um, also. So it's good to, to catch up here and there with them.
2: So like some Mason Mount because he's doing brilliantly, isn't he?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's really doing well, and um, it's a it was a great. Uh, Great achievement for him to be called up to the senior squad, to be in in and around that, that sort of environment. Um, it's only a testament to his um, hard work and the way he's been playing.
1: Got to say for a young man how well Jay De Silva speaks. And he's on loan from Chelsea this season. I'll be very interested to track the future of him to see if he gets in that Chelsea team in future. Great to hear from him there. Uh, when he was chatting to Gregor... Um, one man you've also been talking to, Gregor, is David Moyes. Played for Bristol City in the eighties, didn't
2: he? He did, yeah. Nineteen eighty-five to nineteen eighty-seven, and yeah, have to pay tribute to uh, Richard Latham for this because um, he's involved in this because he's got a book coming out um, called Wembley Wonders, which uh, talks about David Moyes and the F- Robins uh, Freight. What is it? The Freight Rover Trophy final, of nineteen eighty-six, when Bristol City won. 3-0 against Bolton, a Bolton side containing Sam Allardyce, no less. No wow. And, uh, yeah, David Moyes played centre-back on that day at Wembley. They won 3-0. Incredible. Um, the first of Bristol City's record three EFL trophy wins. They they hold the most wins yeah. in that competition. There you go. So, uh, yeah, he, and basically he, he professed his love to Bristol. And really, he said it was the best, probably the best period of his playing career down yeah. here. Um, He was really disappointed when it came to time to leave. He didn't really want to go. It sounds a bit like he was kind of ushered out the door and he did say to (laughs) me that he understands that. Now how that works being a manager and yeah. having to do it himself yeah
1: fun. of course uh, well he also spoke to us about Bristol City this season and the potential of maybe being Bristol City manager one day here's his chat or some of it with Gregor and the rest you can find on the Bristol Live website and in the Bristol Post
2: and do you still keep an eye on Bristol City's results at all David? I do
4: very much so and, uh, and you know and, I, and I, I like the way that I, I think there's the, a the real sign forward. I've always believed that
2: Yeah, sure. There's there's certainly a lot of ambition down this way, but as you say, it's a tough, tough league, the the championship, and it see, certainly seems like teams swap places day to day. Yeah, I think Bristol
4: would really. I think Bristol can easily uh, can easily have a Premier League club, and also I do, I do think that uh, you know the city probably could do with it as well. it would be great for, for everybody in the city if they could get a Premier League team. But obviously, that's not an easy job. in, in, in Sadly, now it takes uh, either a long time because you have to build your team or it, it, it takes a lot of money and you have to spend the money to try and get a, a
2: more quicker and instant success, rate. Really. For sure, for sure. Just, just finally, David, I mean, obviously I don't know what your plans are, but do you think you could maybe see yourself as Bristol City manager in the future one day or, or, or I guess we see what happens? Yeah.
4: No, that's for sure. I was I was very close to becoming Bristol City manager uh, before Tony Pulis went. So you need to look back what date that I was? Uh, I was close to I I, I was manager of Preston at the time, and and uh, I was having quite regular contact with Bristol, and I said okay, I would do it. And, and in the end, it, it didn't quite materialise, or, or I would have been manager around at that time. So it's something which uh, i would never seen never because it was it was a great part of my. My career. I had a great rapport with the supporters and uh, and the people in the, in the city. So it was something I really enjoyed. And, and uh, but I would say I think all the players would say that at the time. You know, uh, I know that I know that uh, Ned would be there and Glen.
1: to hear from David Moyes there who knows maybe a Bristol City manager one day and Gregor is your phone okay because I couldn't quite work out why you were shouting (laughs) I'm sorry I'm sorry Uh,
2: maybe it's a Scottish thing between us I don't know Uh, but uh, yeah (laughs) great to hear from David Moyes and yeah, I'm We should su- just point
1: out your phone is a bit broken at the moment as well, that's why.
2: It is. And, yeah, but it's great
1: to hear from him, wasn't
2: it? it? It is, and I'm sure he won't be out of management for very long. Obviously, no. he did a fantastic job at Everton, and and I think he did well last season as well to keep West Ham up. He took over there when they were in the relocation zone, so he's probably due for another job at some point, and who knows, maybe down this way, if, if something happens in the future, but we'll see.
1: We shall see. Now, someone who is under pressure is Paul Clement of Reading... Uh, just six wins in 41 league games. Uh, not pretty reading if you're a Reading fan. It's who Bristol City play at the Medeski this weekend. Oh, Gregor, that's, that's a terrible record. Um, Paul Clement did manage to you know steer them to safety last season in the Championship. But this season they haven't really got going. They're currently in the bottom uh, relegation places. It's not looking too positive for them. They're in the bottom three. They're 22nd. They're two points from safety. Bristol City must go into this one thinking, "Mm, okay, we've got a chance here.
2: Definitely. And I sometimes think that there are certain grounds where certain teams play well. And I remember at Reading last year, basically Bristol City got... picked up a fantastic result, winning 1-0. It was the first game where Aidan Flint came back and he scored that late winner. They kept a clean sheet for the mm-hmm. first time in the season. I remember
1: that game, I was there. Zach
2: Viner was at right back, I remember that day. And yeah, it was a vital result for Lee Johnson and Bristol City. It really got them going in the league. And yeah, maybe it can do. they can do the same this year when they go there. Certainly... Reading aren't in the best form I think just one win In the last six games They've lost to Swansea As you saw I, think yeah,
1: they were, they, I watched the Swansea game And Swansea were very good But uh, Reading They had a couple of chances In the very opening stages But apart from that They didn't really look Threatening at all They were a bit better In the second half They looked okay From set pieces and corners had a bit of an aerial threat, and John Swift's good on a dead ball, but it didn't look good. And Paul Clement after, you know, he said Swansea were the better team. But, yeah, Bristol City have got to go there and think, well, three points...
2: Yeah, I think they've only had two wins this season against Hull and
1: Millwall, Millwall at yeah, home,
2: although yeah. they have beaten somebody else in the League Cup of oh, Birmingham in Birmingham the
1: League, league Cup. Cup, yeah.
2: So, yeah, that goes to show that they're not all that bad at home. They've had
1: three wins in the league so far. Oh, is it? Yeah. Um, but they're so, only on 12 points.
2: Yeah, so yeah, it's not going to be easy.
1: And uh,
2: it surprises me like when you go to these teams near the bottom and I include Rotherham this when mm. when City went up there recently, they were completely outplayed by Rotherham for a large part of that match, maybe until the last half an hour. And yeah, you you maybe expect on paper um, City to pick up the three points here easily. It's never that straightforward, is it? It's never that straightforward.
1: And and team selection, who who do you expect to start?
2: Well, probably the toughest one is up front now because you've got the the three, four guys if you Mm. include Mm. Jamie Patterson. And uh, yeah, I think Vyman will come back in And I'm going to go for Matty Taylor because I think he's just... He's been unlucky to not have been picked recently. He probably should have started Mm. on Saturday. And um, he has played well just in in, in patches, but he hasn't been given a run in the team. I I think at this stage, Lee Johnson has got to give players a run in the team now. He's got to find his best eleven and and stick with it for a few matches. Uh, But I do think there might be a bit of rotation. We might see Marley Watkins come in, for example, for... Jamie Patterson and Nicholas Eliasson was outstanding apart from his finishing at the weekend so he's a shoe in mm. the, the, the central midfield partnership picks itself although Liam Walsh was very good at the weekend. Yeah,
1: by all accounts he sounded, sounded like a great performance.
2: And the back four pretty much picks itself although you've got the Silver kelly competition mm. for a left back.
1: Mm, it's going to be fascinating to see who Lee Johnson goes with. Uh, Gregor, thank you for your time. We'll be back next week reflecting on the Reading game. Looking forward to the final game ahead of the international break. Can you believe we have another international break upon us already? They come thick and fast at this time of the season. So Bristol City heading to the Mideski uh, this weekend. And then on the following Saturday, they are back at Ashton Gate. Mm -hmm. Where they'll be playing.
2: That's correct, against Preston.
1: Now that's a game as well they must be looking at, looking at the table. Yes, except that Preston
2: have kind of turned the corner, haven't they? Mm, Start picking
1: up results. Yeah,
2: they've had a lot of draws recently, but um, yeah, you'd probably be looking to get some points and definitely improve on last year's game against Preston, which was possibly the worst home performance of the season.
1: Yeah, and um, then we return after the international break, but uh, next week we'll be reflecting on Reading and looking forward to Preston. If you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us and we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. This podcast was sponsored by ELM Legal Services based in Bristol, who provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. A standard single will is £99. You can call them on 0800 019 4557.
0: Robins on the Wire.